Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host and proud patron of the Imagination Institute, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I am good. Um, this, this, I'm so glad you brought up the Imagination Institute. I, I have been singing the Imagination song for the past three weeks, and and retrospectively going around going, but what about science, science, science? <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. What movie are we looking at today, Larry? Well, speaking of science, nice segue, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Speaking of science, we are doing Honey, I Shrunk the Kids from 1989. Yes. Um, I very much enjoy this movie, but I will admit to you, Andy, it has some small flaws. Yeah, it's got some it's got some issues. It's no, a hot but, mess. But small flaw. Okay. <laughs> okay, I get the joke. Okay, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't say small. <laughs> well, it's all a matter of perspective. Maybe That's you'll a- give us some give us some perspective <laughs> with some key facts. Ah, there we go. Nice. There, there, there's a segue I was looking for. So this movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, had an $18 million budget. And for five years, at an equivalent of almost half a billion dollars in today's dollars, uh, it was the highest grossing live action Disney movie of all time for several years. Uh, The movie launched uh, two sequels, a TV series, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience at Epcot, which some of you may remember, uh, which kind of spawned into Journey into Imagination with Figment, which is also at Epcot Center, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie set Adventure at Hollywood Studios, which is something my kids really, really miss. Yeah, They were going to look for it last time. I mean, Toy Story Land is great. But I, they really like that set adventure. It's a great, it was a great playground for the, kids at Hollywood. The only trace of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is if you go to the Imagine Institute while you're on the ride, you can see a doorway uh, that says Dr. Wayne Selinsky. Uh, but that's it. That's the only reference left to him there. <sighs> so sad. Well, uh, the pandemic, of course, caused some bumps to this master plan. But it looks like uh, a legacy sequel called Shrunk is planned and in pre-production and maybe even in in production with Rick Moranis and Josh Gad. So that's something to look forward to. I'm excited about that. When this movie aired in theaters, it opened with a seven and a half minute long Roger Rabbit cartoon called Tummy Trouble. And some of you might remember Tummy Trouble. I remember that. Yeah. And it had like, it was, it was like baby Herman, but he was really being a baby because he was acting up and up until the very end of the movie. And I think, I think Jessica was his nurse. Am I right? Yes. That's correct. You're right. Yes. So the movie received a PG rating because the insects might be a little frightening for young children. And as enthusiastic as audiences were about this movie, the reviews were mixed. Kind of like for this podcast, for example. Uh, Let's see. Variety Magazine said it effectively borrowed elements from the 1950s classic sci-fi movies, The Incredible Shrinking Man and Them seen that uh karen james of the new york times called it as sweet and straightforward and funny as its title yet roger ebert uh wrote in the of chicago sun times i've been trying to figure out exactly what's missing in honey i shrunk the kids the special effects are all there nicely in place and the production values are sound but the movie is dead in the water it tells an amazing and preposterous story and it seems bored by it i mean so look as someone who likes this movie I will say he's not wrong. 
Um, this, I, if you think of this movie more as a ride than as a movie, I think it's a better experience. Uh, yeah. but I, I think there are some fundamental storytelling mechanics that are lacking, uh, which we'll, which we'll get into. And I, I also want to throw out, Andy, I think the movie knows it. And, uh, leading into the Manish Tana <laughs> here, the movie yeah. begins with a little cartoon, like during the credits, there's a cartoon of like all the wacky and wild things that could happen to you if you were shrunk to a really right. small size. Correct. But more wacky stuff happens during the opening credits than I think maybe happens during the actual <laughs> movie. Like, you well, need to set the interesting? bar. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it interesting that, like, we start with a cartoon, right? I mean, they, they prequel it with the cartoon, and then we go into a cartoon, and then we, you know, again, we were watching movies very differently in 1989 than we of do course. now, right? So, okay, so you're sitting in the theater, you get the you get tummy trouble, then you get a little cartoon, and then you get into the Z- Zelensky house. So that's interesting to me. But well, I, I think I think honestly, you know, they're concerned that we're not going to have fun because the sh- uh, early enough because the shrinking doesn't happen very quickly in this movie. I mean, no. it doesn't happen slowly. But you know, in a movie called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Trying to pretend that we don't know where the first 15, 16 minutes of this movie is going. There's a shrinking machine in the house. Um, you know, and and like we know where this is going. So let's actually get into the Manish Tana a little bit, Andy. Uh, not it. counting the little cartoon at the beginning, which isn't really part of the movie proper. Why does this movie begin where the movie begins? What well, do you think? Things, you know, things at the Zelensky house work just a little differently than the rest of the block. Um, They have solar powered coffee makers. The dog's bringing in the mail. There's trouble in the marriage. Uh, There are giant machines being built upstairs. There are odd communications that aren't quite right uh, regarding breakfast. And nothing works. um, Nothing works in practice the way it does in theory. I compare this opening unfavorably. And again, I like this movie, but I haven't said anything nice about it yet. So other than that, I like it. I compare the opening of this movie a little bit unfavorably to Back to the Future, which also kind of begins with a Rube Goldberg sort of invention. We, we, we see Doc You're not and like wrong. everything, everything he does to set up like his morning ritual at the same time, it, it's giving us just information visually about this family as we go across, uh, not about this family, mm-hmm. about Emmett, Doc Brown and his dog. Uh, as we go across, we also get the sense that the machines have not been maintained and something has gone wrong in his life. And we pass newspaper clippings. We get also all this information sure. at a, very quick clip Mm -hmm. and we get a sense of the kind of person that he is before we ever meet him. I don't know that honey, which also has its Rube Goldberg sort of stuff going on. Sure. I don't know that honey tells us much about the character of the people living in this house more than it tells us that this house has some inventions in it. And when I ask myself, why is this where we're starting? I cannot tell you why this is where we're starting. It feels to me that like from a point of attack perspective, there are better places for us to begin. Um, Oh, sure. 
And I I think, you know, for a movie called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I really want to start with, you know, The Machine. Uh, later on, there's going to be a demonstration, uh, not even a demonstration. Wayne's going to be talking at a lecture about his machine and um, what it can do and the potential for mankind. Why don't we start there? Why don't we start at the presentation, get yes. into the sci-fi-ness of this right away? Um, maybe he's got two machines. He's got one at work that like spectacularly fails and he's like, I've got a second one at home. And then we cut to the home or or something, something along those lines. I, f- I feel like this is a slow moving opening. Well, and part of the thing that's happening, too, is that there's no true protagonist on one specific mission. We've no. got somebody wants to go, you know, Amy wants to go to the mall and Nick wants to be like his dad and dad wants this machine to work because it's going to change everything in his marriage somehow, but we're not really sure why. And mom's closing a business deal and the neighbors next door are going on a fishing trip. And we spend a whole lot of time with the neighbors and I'm not really sure why we're spending. So it's, it's like, it's dancing all over the place to put us into this world when it, you know, we're, we're audiences are smart and we can get there quickly. I I also want, so let's go into structure because I think we're heading there anyway. This movie kind of does a thing where it has two beginnings, where we meet the Zelinskys, and then we like we meet their family, we see the things that you pointed out in terms of exposition. Dad is an inventor, the house is a mess, uh, younger son idolizes his father, uh, they have wacky ways of doing lots of stuff, including a lawnmower, which is very nicely set up uh, at the beginning of this. Um, the the o- the older daughter is cute, um, Amy. She's like li- looking forward to a boy. Blah 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 blah. And then it goes to like, so this family we just met. Now let's start over and meet their neighbors, the Thompsons, right? Which, right. in theory is kind of supposed to be like, well, we've met the nerds. Let's meet the quote-unquote jocks. Right. Uh, I, I, I think we're supposed to think that. Um, they, they don't seem very jockey to me. Uh, we meet uh, Russ and May and Russ Jr. and Ron. Um, and again, it's like we had to start this movie all over again because these characters are also going to be important. <laughs> well, and it, I, the, the, the thing is, like, there are great parts in this, at least the first, like at the Zelensky's house, the setups, they're going to a conference. There's the oatmeal cream pie, Nick's allergies, yes. uh, kids going to the mall, uh, plant, like you said, the lawnmower. Um, but, and both families think the other family's weird. Right. But once I'm, we get to the, the other family, like I'm done, like I'm ready to move on. Yeah. Let's get this move. Let's start shrinking people already. Let's just <laughs> right. do it. Let's just do it. And it's so funny when I think about this in in contrast to the movie we did just a couple of weeks ago, Swiss Family Robinson, um, where where we're like, get to the like that gets us to the action almost too quickly. Here, it's just we we need to get to the fun part and we're not getting there fun enough. By the way, Andy, what is the inciting incident of this movie? Oh, my Lord. Okay, so I think it's where Ron hits the ball through the Zelensky's attic window and starts up the machine. Yes, that's, leading that's to what them I think. and uh, getting leading to the, sh- the shrinking. I think I think the shrinking is the inciting incident. It is, and it's it is the rare inciting incident 
which does not come out of choices made by anyone uh, to right. a degree. It's, right. it's super random. Like, yeah. It's just a thing happens to them, a series of events, and they get shrunk. And that is why we're watching today, specifically. Uh, and again, I don't know why I keep feeling like I need to be defensive and then like trash this movie at the same time. <laughs> but when I start talking about the rising action for this movie, I I have almost nothing to say. Andy, well, they get you're, you're, they get you're, shrunk and they get thrown out in the trash accidentally by dad and right. they have to cross the lawn. And the movie is the four kids cross the lawn. That, well, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, the, that no, opening, that, yeah, the opening, uh, that opening part is, you know, when they're swept into the trash bag and carried outside, it sets up the dramatic question, like, can the kids be fixed, right? Can they be unshrunk, right? So at the midpoint of the movie, um, when Amy, you know, her life is saved, right? The dramatic question now shifts to, can these kids get out of this alive? This is, I don't this even becomes think- more of a life or death issue. You don't think so? I don't even. I don't even think the movie is asking the dramatic question, can the kids be unshrunk? Because for that to be the dramatic question, we would need to spend time with dad fixing the machine and trying to figure out like the science behind it and finally perfecting it and getting some the thing that he needs and all of that stuff. It is just something that the kids take for granted. We can be unshrunk if we can cross the lawn. Gotcha. That is that. Really, the dramatic question is here. Can we survive the journey home? Uh, which. Fair enough. I, I mean, and the rising action is, can they survive the journey home? Can they find a place to rest for the night? Can they deal with giant insects? There's a scorpion that comes in. There are subplots about the two respective sets of parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wayne keys into the fact that he Honey, I shrunk the kid. Uh, honey, I shrank the kids. Uh, should be shrank, right? Not I shrunk them. I shrank them. Anyway, <laughs> now this movie is wrong grammatically. Uh, uh, now all of those individual sequences when they're crossing the lawn, the the lawn, I think are fun. I yeah. think it's fun when they slide down the the. The gas, the grass blade. I think it's fun when they find the cookie and they start digging into this gigantic cookie. I think sleeping in the Lego block is fun. I think the part with the ant, the ant is is super fun. Um, it's it's a sequence of fun little set pieces, and I enjoy that. Right. Um, but I don't necessarily. I couldn't even really tell you in what order they really happen, or that it matters what or in what order they happen. Uh. The other thing that's happening as they cross the lawn is the relationships between the kids are, in theory, starting to change a little bit. Uh, Mostly um, Russ and Amy start to connect in a way in which they were not connected before. I think we're Mm -hmm. supposed to see some little changes in the other kids as well, although when I say little changes, I'm not even making a play on Honey, I Shrunk the Kid. play on words here it's it's like slight deviations in behavior um andy what is the climax of this movie well 
Okay, so there are two. I mean, I again, I always like like to look at the dramatic question when I'm trying to figure out the climax, right? Because I want to know how does this get answered. So if the dramatic question is, can the kids be fixed, right? Um, mm-hmm. Then then the climax would be, well, can they get the machine to work and the kids are back to their normal size? Which feels sort of anticlimactic since they've already said, they've said from the beginning, dad will be able to fix us. Dad will be, it'll be fine, right? Yeah. Even though they've seen Wayne, like, take a ball bat to the machine, right? They've seen him do that. He damaged they it? Don't, yeah, and they don't, like, say, oh, the machine is damaged. However will we get, however will we get better, right? So, so that's one possibility. But I think the biggest climax for me is, is, you know, can't, it's almost like, can the, the dramatic question becomes, can the parents find the kids? And then Wayne nearly eating Nick. Oh uh, my gosh. That, that is, by, that, <laughs> that is so upsetting. Way, it is upsetting. Which by the way, he doesn't even bother to remove him from the milk once he discovers it's him. Right. He doesn't like have the, he doesn't go in to get him. He's just like, oh, oh well, there's Nick in the milk. Um, Wayne yeah, and I so. were both yelling at the, at, at the <laughs> movie screen. It's like, it's like, get your kid to safety. <laughs> so I think one of the issues we have here structurally is it's not going anywhere. The, yeah. I think you're right. I think the climax sequence is uh, Nick has fallen into the cereal spoon, into the cereal bowl, and his dad might eat him, which when I say it sounds so gruesome and horrific. But, uh. but you know, as an adult watching this, I was like, imagine that I found out that my kid was shrunk and I ate him in my cereal. That's it for me, Andy. <laughs> that is the end. I never get past how truly, no, never, truly horrible no, I- it would be to have to live with that for the rest of my life. Yeah, like how do you even take that to a therapist, right? Like no amount of therapy is is curing that one. <laughs> but the real problem here, Andy, is this climax doesn't answer any questions mm. about what these kids would do in a dramatic moment. The way that they solve the problem is they whistle to the dog. And the dog helps to get dad's attention to the fact that there's a there's a kid in a spoon. But but man, um the other thing that kind of feels like a climax is about Russ Sr. There's a moment where they're like, we need to shrink someone and then grow them back to make sure that it's safe. And Russ Sr. steps up and he says, do it to me, shrink me and then bring me back uh, because I love my kids so much, which if he was the protagonist of this movie, that would make sense. Might be like, oh, his journey has gone somewhere. Right. Um, But, but he is not the protagonist of this movie. Uh, and and it it just ends kind of on the empty side. There right. is some falling action. Uh-huh. Uh, they've all come together for Thanksgiving, I think. There's a gigantic, enormous turkey, which which that uh, which I love the visual of. It's great. It's They're great. all sitting around the table. Wayne is clearly now a big success. Uh, the two kids are playing footsie, uh, and the movie goes out on uh, Nick suddenly getting a, a joke about French kissing that really uh, happened, I guess, months earlier. Like, yeah. and he suddenly got it now, but whatever. <laughs> I'm not quite sure on the time frame here, but whatever. And then it ends. Yeah, I mean, I'm there. It, there is a bit of resolution in the falling action, too, with the question, you know, are you and dad okay? 
And the answer is yes. I mean, which is, uh, yeah. Anyway. So so you have good reason. (laughs) Uh, Like, like I am the world's worst defense attorney because like I'm turning to the judge and I'm going like, your honor, everything the prosecuting attorney says about this movie is true. I mean, I mean, we throw ourselves at the mercy of the court. The only thing that I can throw out into evidence is it is fun watching the kids cross the lawn. Oh, that is super fun. Fun sequencing, fun moments, fun special effects. It is not the sort of thing that you and I are equipped to analyze here. And I feel like as we move into character, I'm still not going to have good things to say. Well, I mean, I think this movie in theory is awesome. Like, I think the the idea of, you know, the premise of let's shrink your family and then they have to, you have to find them and they're all these things, but the stakes aren't that high to bring these people back. They're never and, that and high. The, the movie is never quite sure how to treat the stakes here. If we yeah. took the stakes at face value, this is life and death. These kids might not all make it across the law and we might lose a couple along the way, but it's not that kind of movie. So on the one hand, dad is so afraid of accidentally stepping on the kids that he comes up with more and more elaborate ways of trying to search the lawn for his kids. And that is fun. I love those sequences. I, I I love him doing that. But at the same time, there's this one moment where mom is like, you know what? I just realized there's another thing to worry about, that Amy and uh, and the Thompson boy are alone in the gar- in the lawn <sighs> in the middle of the night. And I'm like, mom, that's what you're worried about? Like, like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You're I mean, too like, why young so to con- be a grandmother. I get it. <laughs> But it'll be a tiny child. No, um, I mean, like, why is she so concerned about Amy, like, pairing off with this kid, the neighbor boy in the in the dark, instead of like, oh, I don't know, like, you know, your kid being alive? If like if that Amy scene- comes back and she's pregnant, that is a win because you got her, you got her back, and I don't like. Like this is this is the equivalent of like you hear that there's an earthquake happening someplace and you're like, oh, my gosh, I have family there. I hope I hope they're using protection. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, there is a cartoonishness about this movie. Yes. In that, you know, that that kind of, you know, suspension of judgment that you have to have when you're watching a cartoon I think it's helpful, and I and it, I think it's helpful when you, we think about this movie that it is prefaced by two cartoons, right? It, it helps us sort of get into this sort of whimsical whatever because nobody really thinks about the stakes in a cartoon. The gags are the are the the gags are the reason we're watching, right? right. And the gags are the reason we're watching this. I mean, we like the idea of the idea of everything being really big, playing with size. Um, it, Again, it's a it's, ride, not a movie. That's exactly. it. That's it. That's um, it. And and that's why our analysis when when we take a look at this, we're 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 gonna see a lot of flaws because we're not because we're analyzing it like it's a movie because it purports to be a movie. Uh, let's let's talk about the characters a little bit. Um, sure. We have Wayne Zielinski, uh and Rick Moranis, who I think is fantastic. I love. Um, 
I do, I do too. Um, and, and I think he is underused. I think I don't think the script really serves him. I think he would be a great protagonist in this movie, and I'm not sure he is. He should um, be the protagonist of this movie. Right? Yes. I mean, he's got the most, he's got the most to win and lose, but we don't spend enough time with him. I I have to say this. This in theory should be a movie about Wayne discovering that he a confidence in himself that he has never known. That is right. what you do with Rick Moranis in most movies, frankly. Like, oh, like yeah. if you're casting him, you're casting him to see him be timid and then find his inner strength and come out of this movie the other side as a hero. Right, right. There are things that you could do, and, and I feel bad because I'm, I'm going to point to Back to the Future um, a little bit. If you made the next door neighbor, uh, Russ Thompson Sr., if you made him more of a Biff Tannen to right. Wayne's to Wayne's like sort of George McFly, if mm -hmm. you would, we could have the story of like this this scientist who suddenly realizes in this situation he has to stand up to the bully next door to save his children or like right. or that he's the hero. He's the hero, not this alpha male jock from next door. Something you could play with this a little bit. The real issue is Wayne can't be the protagonist because Russ Sr. is not his antagonist. His no. antagonist is someone at work whose name I did not catch, who makes fun of the idea that this shrinking and grow this shrinking ray can actually work, who we never see again in the movie. Right, 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 right. I mean, if, I mean, I find it interesting too that like during the conference, there's a heckling scientist that suggests that they're losing their audience, right? And that's exactly the point in the movie where I start to care less. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're losing me too. <laughs> Andy walks out with the scientist. This is preposterous. <laughs> that's right. He has a last chance to make his invention work. He just has to do it, right? Um, but again, and his marriage seems to be tied to it. Uh, but his in wife a weird doesn't way. really give... But his wife doesn't really give that indication. We know the they're fighting. Tells us, the script tells us their marriage yeah. is on the rocks. Their behavior with one another implies that they just needed a night away from each other. And they've come back right. in love with each other again. Right. I mean, they say everything will change around here. And, and, and here's the problem, Larry. We don't see the conflict between Wayne and his wife. We just hear about it. Right. There's not a lot of intimacy in this family. No. I mean, like, once he figures out the kids are out there, he doesn't ask for help. He's got a battery of scientists, right? Like, if your Be kids were struggling in the backyard and you had shrunk them, would you not go look for every possible scientist, every possible helper to help you do this? No, he takes it all on himself. I want to throw out to you, Andy, that I sure listeners of our podcast should know. That Betsy is the single greatest thing that has ever happened to me, save perhaps the birth of our two children. Uh, I am as devoted to her, I think, as a husband can be to his wife. That being said, if I came home from work and she told me she shrunk the children, they're in the backyard and she's hoping they'll cross, I'm divorcing her, listeners, because... <laughs> That is such a betrayal. She shrunk our children? 
like, I think about that. There's a moment where she sees him working on the machine and he's falling asleep working on the machine. And she goes, oh, I love you so much. I'm like, your children aren't back yet. <laughs> if it was me, I would wake him. Get I mean, back I, to work on fixing your machine. <laughs> Are you monster? You shrunk our children. And I will never forgive you, Wayne Zelinsky. <laughs> never. My mother was I, I, right about you. <laughs> I mean, I think I've just figured out why this movie bothers me so much, Larry. It's like it's how disconnected everyone in the film is emotionally with what's happening to them. It's almost like this is Tuesday for this family. I mean, it's cartoonish, and yet, you know, like being shrunk and having your kids shrunk and having your husband shrink your kids and having your neighbor shrink your kids. I mean, it's all kind of a big deal. And it's definitely a bigger deal than like, you know, like missing a trip to the mall or a fishing trip or your kid quitting football. And those are the things that seem to be more important than the kid's actual size, right? And there's no real pathos in this movie. There no. Isn't. No, it, it's, I, you're right. This is this is actually a good idea for an episode of a TV show like Bewitched or I Dream yes. of Genie. We're doing yes. an episode where we're shrunk. We know at the end that they will be unshrunk because these characters right. come back every week. We're just going to have fun with them this week being shrunk. And next week we'll be back with the Zelinskis when they go to Mars. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. It just it feels very like I said, it feels cartoonish and it feels Again, I want that moment. I mean, and we sort of get it with the kids, sort of, in places. I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse at this point, but we sort of get it where the kids, like, you know, Ron, especially, he's a jerk. He can't apologize. The the younger brother at the, yep. at the Thompsons. I mean, again, again, listener, like Russ, Ron, Russ, like, please give your characters names that don't all start with the same consonant. Yeah, um, I think the <laughs> idea here that we're supposed to take away from it. Cause I know uh, you and I know how this works is that Russ right. senior is such an egomaniac that all of his kids names have to start with the first letter of his name. There's Russ Possible. jr. And there's Ron, sure. but, uh, but, but listener, if you're writing, it's been done. Um, yeah. you know, I, I very much feel at this point that names shouldn't mean anything. I am tired of mad scientists being named Dr. Kane. Um, I have a feeling his brother Abel will not be okay. I get it. I get it. He's going right. to murder I mean, somebody. You named so, him Kane. So, you know, Ron is this He's the really only, the only character that really uh, has a, a, a real arc in this movie in that, you know, he, you know. So like, Ron Thompson, who what is the, the younger brother of right. the Thompson boys. And right. arguably, of the four children, is the one who numerically is considered number four to me in terms of importance. Right. I just want to set this up because it, the audience might not know who to picture. He's the blonde kid with the baseball cap, just like his he's, dad wears a baseball he's cap. He's the one all the who time. knocked. Yeah, he's the one who knocked the 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 ball into the window in the first place, right? So instead of you know, and, and honestly, if the scorpion had got him, I might be okay with it. But instead, like <laughs> the scorpion kills the ant and he has, we see this change. There's something about the ant's death that changes Ron for the better. And he's yes. literally the only one I can think of in this movie that has an arc. I agree. He is, he, he has, he has the biggest arc. I will throw out to you, Andy, and this is not, this is not me being mean to Jared Rushton who plays Ron. 
Uh, but the character of Ron is loathsome. And oh, yeah. you're kind of hoping for bad things to happen. No one watches this movie and identifies with him. No. Um, but but I think we are meant to see him make a turn for the better. And it's when he meets Auntie and Auntie loves him with an unselfish love. It's it's Oh yeah. And and honestly, Andy, that's for you. You're 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 a boy and his dog kind of viewer that the transformative oh, yeah. of love course. of a pet can make you into a better person. And I right. think that's what we're supposed to be seeing with him. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like we swung around to the kids. Uh, I know, I know. I, I And part of part of the reason we did that was just because I'm looking, again, I'm looking for, I'm looking for an arc. Um, but let's talk about Diane uh, Zelensky and Marsha Strassman, um, who I, is a great actor and unfortunately doesn't have much to do in this movie. Um, no. She, fa- she faints. Um she gets upset that her daughter is paired off with the neighbor boy. Um, that's unfortunate. But yeah, she's a real estate agent who has conflict with her husband that we never really get to see. Like the if conflict we, if appears we... to be Wayne has quit his job to make his shrinking machine and it's put a financial strain on the family and it's forced her to be like the sole breadwinner for the house, which is a real strain. That a sure. family might feel, but it is a strain based on external circumstances and not about we are two people who in certain ways are finding ourselves to be incompatible, right? Like she's right. frustrated with their circumstance, but she still loves him unreservedly. Uh, and honestly, you know, I think every marriage is is better off for a partner taking one night off to be away and then come back. She yeah, needed to, yeah. and and I don't really see the fact that she slept over at her parents' house as a sign that their marriage is in trouble. I actually think that is a good practice. That seems healthy, right? So, you know, in Act Three, uh, she talks about the need to get the family back together, but there's just not a lot of conflict. Like we actually see between those two couple between the couple right and and it just it just feels like this like all of it just seems like this unearned payoff especially when you said earlier like she says you know i love you wayne Zelensky. it's like why why do you love him like he is not he's he's doing what he's just is like is nose this to the even, grindstone is this even an insight that that she loves him because if we were worried that maybe she'd forgotten that she loved him Right. Then maybe that that would have a little bit more meaning here. It just there isn't enough real conflict baked into their relationship because if you and it's because of the premise, because if she you know, that scene where I did earlier where I was where I was her yelling at Wayne, if you did that, they are getting divorced. If you actually take this seriously, there's no way this couple stays together. Um, I don't think I would raise the question of their marriage being in danger at all. I would right. I think it's the wrong place to even pretend there's a conflict because you can't do anything with it. You can't do anything with it. Well, let's talk about Amy Zelinsky, uh and Amy O'Neill. Um all Amy seems to care about is going to a dance. Um she's sort of expected by her dad to fill her mom's shoes when mom's away, right? Yeah. She's doing the cooking, she's the cleaner, she's the um, she, but she has this inner rock star, and I'm like, okay, that could be interesting, right? Um, but uh, you know, the kids like continue to 
agonize and compete with each other instead of working together, right? And 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 she's like, oh well, well, she's just not going to get to the mall. There's a scene where she goes, oh well, I guess I'm not going to get to the mall. And I'm like, so that so the ticking clock's gone. She doesn't really care about Paul all that much. And and how we end her up is that she ends up falling in love with the guy next door. So I, I don't I, know. I will, like it's so superficial. Like it's annoying. It's really annoying. I will make the case that yes, it's superficial. Uh, but I'm gonna make I'm gonna fight for Amy a little bit here. We have a female character in a 1989 movie who, when she finds herself on an adventure, rolls up her sleeves and does the work to get across that lawn. True. She doesn't do like the girly, oh no, my my shoes got I dirty. Nail, right? I broke exactly. a nail. Uh, right. She does need to be rescued at one point, but she mm-hmm. also does her fair share of rescuing. Right. Um, you know, she does not get, while, while she does learn to appreciate Russ Jr. Uh, over the course of this journey, it isn't in a way where she's playing games or like, or or doing heavy flirting. She's just herself. He likes her. She lets, she lets him get closer to her on her terms, on her level. And I think for the time period, um, that watching, watching her allow him, give him permission to pursue her and and dictate the terms of their relationship is fantastic. I I think she's one of the strongest characters in this movie. Agree. And I I I made a note here like what if she was the protagonist because she at some should point, be. I think she should be too. And again, it should be either Wayne or it should be Amy. But this movie doesn't know who really is okay. the protagonist. I'm going to break the rules, Andy, here, because we're talking okay. about characters. And all of this comes to the central problem with this movie is they have not thought about theme. What Correct. is the metaphor for being shrunk? Being mm-hmm. shrunk is a metaphor for two things. Number one, it is about how nobody sees me, how mm-hmm. I feel like I'm ignored. How right. how the rest of the world doesn't notice me when I'm there. Right. And you could play off that theme with Wayne, who mm-hmm. is ignored at work, with Amy, who feels ignored possibly at home. Uh, maybe they don't have time for her. Nick also like tries to have time with dad, but dad is too busy. Um, like that the kids need to be seen by their parents and that the being shrunk is an extension of a bigger problem that's been going on. Right. I mean, I think we get some of that with Nick because he is ignored by his dad, right? He's building a a model of the shrinking machine. And he's like, look at this. Look at this. And his dad's like, yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's a near mortal wound. The the being ignored by his dad. Um, Russ Russ Jr. also has an issue with his dad. His dad sees him and wants him to be the quarterback of the football team, to bulk up, to really be this jock, and doesn't see him for who he is. If right. you marry the shrinking to the to to this idea more heavily, you can mm-hmm. get there. The other thing that you can do with the shrinking with a shrinking movie is about changing perspective and realizing how small you are and how big other people are in your life. And what we need to see is these characters fundamentally understand other people better 
from their change in perspective. If Russ, we have a sequence where Russ Sr. is shrunk. His arc requires him to be shrunk, not because he needs to be the hero of this story. It is because he needs to realize how small and petty he has been. And wanting the things that he wants, how everything was about his fishing trip, his Mm -hmm. experience for his children, what he needs, what he wants. And he needs to see himself as small so that he can grow. And all of the visual effects in the world, all of the all of the neat gags that you can do, the character work is all going to be flat. You want to do something about being seen? Does Diane feel seen in her marriage? Does Wayne mm-hmm. feel seen at work? Does, um, you know, Nick's wife, uh, who, uh, May? Is it May? Uh, not Nick's wife, not Nick's wife. Uh, Russ Sr.'s wife is May. Yes, May. Yes? Right, right, yes, yes. Do something with her not feeling seen by her husband. Really, Correct. really get it to the point that what we see is this experience of being shrunk has fixed these people. Yeah, I mean, and, I think an- another thing could be powerlessness, right? Sure. Uh, when you're small, you're powerless. And so the women in this movie could, especially the mothers in this movie, could totally play with that. Um, I, I Again, I think it sees it, but I don't think it uses it. It doesn't. It's not in service. It's, it's, they have the plot device. Let's shrink the kids. It, and they're like, let's sprinkle a theme on top of it. Mm-hmm. But it need for me when you're writing a script, it needs to be the other way. I have a theme underlying my screenplay, mm-hmm. and by using this device as a metaphor for that, I'm going to get the characters to go on an emotional journey where right. they come out the other end as better people. They 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 bake or this different wrong. people, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. like they they put the tomato sauce on top of the mozzarella cheese on the pizza. And, like, it's just wrong. There's well, someone somewhere who has a regional pizza and has just got offended by me. <laughs> I apologize for my cultural insensitivity. <laughs> Forgive me. I was going to say you're not in Chicago. Okay, so, uh, so Russ, well, let's talk about Russ Sr. Um, sure. You know, he's that bubbling father. He lies to his wife about his smoking. Um, you know, once once he's rejected by his namesake, he, he starts turning his attention to his younger son. I mean, like, he's like, I mean, he's got a lot of possibilities here as a character. I mean, he could make a good protagonist. And it seems like, gosh, when you start looking at screen time that he gets. So over, much. So much more than than the Zelensky's. Um, maybe, you know, I don't know. It's almost like this movie was like, everybody's like, okay, let's get a group of people and nobody's the protagonist. <laughs> it, it's it's so weird. What would uh, happen if we did that? I honestly think uh, the entire time I kept seeing Russ Sr., I kept thinking, this is Pete from a Goofy movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. there's a parallel Perfect. between these yeah. two characters. And you could do a story about Pete becoming becoming a better father. I mean, God, did mm-hmm. I wish that that happened in a goofy movie. Right? Oh, yeah, it would have been but, great. But the, the truth of the... Oh, you know what I'm... What's really hurting me here is if you want to see a, a movie about fathers and children, it is a goofy movie, and it's not this. Mm-hmm. No. It's 
It's not no, this a goofy it, movie has more heart and theme in the experience of what they do and the journey that they go on than this does. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the things that we see in the very beginning of this movie and as part of the setup is the disconnect between fathers and sons. And I don't think they ever reconnect. I no. don't see like I don't see anything that says I accept you for who you are and I've been wrong. You, you know, know what? I don't want really to see that. If the movie is about that, then these actors need to have scenes together. But yeah. the world of the dads and the world of the kids are two separate movies. Yeah. For if you told me that there was only two days of shooting where the whole cast got together, <laughs> I would believe that. That the right. adults were on one schedule, one set of calls, and the kids were on another set of calls, and they didn't meet till like the last day. I I think that's possible. Yeah, yeah. It, well, let's it, talk about let's yeah. Let's talk about May, um, Christine Sutherland. Um, so you want to talk underused? She, so yeah, I mean, she has an opportunity. She has so much opportunity. Like she's keeping secrets from her husband. She scolds Russ Senior for making her for wanting to make her son feel small. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Right. There's the theme, but it's not there um, because we don't really take that. It just doesn't go anywhere. It's also it's not like, there because it's yeah. not fair. She blames him. She's like, the kids have run away and it's all your fault. Right. And like, I understand her truth in that moment that she, she recognizes that there's a problem between dad and the kids. Except the problem with her accusation is the kids didn't run away. They didn't find dad so bad that they needed to run away rather than go on this fishing trip. They got shrunk. Right. right. Shrank. They shrank. They uh, shrank. Anyway. Um, <laughs> they shrank. They, it had nothing to do with their disappearance had nothing to do with dad. Dad spends a significant amount of the movie wondering you know, why did my kids disappear? And if he's doing that soul searching, I guess it's to a benefit, but ultimately he's going to learn, oh, they didn't. I didn't, I didn't make them disappear. This had nothing to do with me. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know, it doesn't, and that's why it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't come together because nothing means so, anything. So I'm going to put up another possibility for a, a protagonist, which is Nick Zelinsky, um, who is really fun. Um, Nick is a fun character. He's yes. ignored by his dad. As we mentioned before, he's got these Tom Sawyer kind of qualities. Um, he allows kids to operate his robot mower. Like what, well, you know, like Tom Sawyer might allow kids mm -hmm. to whitewash a fence. Right. Um, he can, he can hold his own with the neighbor kid, with Ron, right? Um, and Nick becomes a real character when, you, you know, but he, again, he becomes really real when Amy's life is in danger. When he says, please don't die, please don't die. Like, and I think he starts seeing Amy differently after that. And so, again, if we're... Uh, yeah, I think they say something like, she's pretty cool for a girl, which, yeah, you know, uh, love that line. Yeah. Love that. Um, <laughs> see, and if I was going to pick a protagonist out of this bunch, it wouldn't be Nick. It would be Russ Jr. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and here's yeah. my case. Here's my case for Russ Jr. being the protagonist of this movie. At the beginning of the movie, we see that Russ Jr. has a couple of problems. He's afraid to tell the truth to his dad 
about what he wants. He lies to him about being cut from the football team. Uh, he lies about what he wants. Uh, he also has a crush on the girl next door, and he's afraid to approach her and ask her out. That is classic protagonist, right? Yeah, he has yeah. objectives. He gets to go on adventure where he gets to be a hero, where he gets to spend time with this girl that he has a crush on. If this movie ended in a climax where um, Russ Jr. refused to be enlarged because his dad never listens to him and this is the first time he's ever had his dad's attention. And dad right. had to be shrunk down in order to have a conversation with Russ Jr. And they really connected and Russ and they and Russ Sr. says, you're not, I realize I've been treating you like you're an extension of me. And I recognize mm -hmm. that you are an individual with your own feelings, your own goals, your own wants. They finally see each other now that they've been shrunk down to the size of ants. We have maybe a father-son in peril moment, like in a goofy movie, where the right, two of right. them have to work together. That movie is fantastic and it brings everything together in such a beautiful way. I want to make the case it should be the kid next door who's who's the protagonist of this movie. Yeah, I mean I think and I I think there's an opportunity for him to stand up to his dad and be like I'm not doing this as opposed to just he quit the you know hearing about that he quit the team, you know? That's anyway. It's it's, it's too little. And and of course, you know, you're right when None of these characters passed the test, with the exception of Ron, when we were going to say, have they changed and grown? Because, yes, Russ Sr. is now with Amy, but that's because circumstances threw them together. It's not through any actions that and he Russ took. Jr. With, Russ Jr. is with Amy. Russ Jr. is <laughs> with Amy. I, I said Russ. Russ <laughs> well, and this is like why don't give all your characters the same name. It makes the meetings and the conversations so much harder. I bet. I bet. Okay, um, so, so, protagonist problems, to sum up. <laughs> yes. Um, I have no idea who the protagonist is here. And, and the reason I think this is the case, Larry, is that the movie favors these special effects, which are very cool. They are very super cool. super fun, and super fun, but over, and, and maybe even the plot over the characters in the theme. It it absolutely does. It likes its gimmicks more yes. than it likes its story. Right, um, and that's what makes it cartoonish and whatever, right? Um, it is still worth, I, I maintain, it's still worth a watch. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the, I mean the, the, the score tells us, too, that this movie is a cartoon. Yeah. Um, it's super cartoony and zoinks and, you know, madcap but, hijinks and, yeah. So. It creates a great world and it has a great premise. What mm -hmm. it really needs is to go back and really ground these characters in some emotional truths that they mm -hmm. can reap a harvest of at the end of the movie and feel like these characters went through this experience as one person and they've all come out the other side transformed. And that right. that is, I I hear it. Uh, this this is my closing argument to the judge, and I'm saying, Your Honor, what my client done is did is not defensible. But in its defense, so, it was fun at the time. Right, what he did. I mean, it, I mean, nobody's ever seen anything like this in 1989. I mean, sure. or, or much like it. I mean, it is. We've we've made comparisons to the Goonies. We've made comparisons to uh, Back to the Future. But 
Okay, so here's my proposition uh, when it comes to protagonist problems. I think you could eliminate the family next door completely. Yes. I think you could add an extra kid in the Zelensky family to get a principal of three. Yep. I think I think you could make this movie about Wayne and Wayne's ego and his disconnect from the family and how all he does uh, or how he does all that he can to get them back. And he realizes they're the most important thing to him when he's kind of, you know, maybe not treated them like the most important thing to him. Uh, and yeah, because I think the B story of the next door neighbors takes away from all of this possibility. I think it, it just gets too messy. There is a part of this movie where we actually get to like a third tier of character. So we're watching Russ Sr. get ready for this fishing trip and two of his friends show up <laughs> at the house because they're going on the fishing trip too. And suddenly the sequence becomes about how can Russ Sr. explain to his friends that he's not actually going on the fishing trip. And I'm like, that is not where the stakes of this movie is. Uh, and once you... It's it's like you don't need that many characters that you need to bring in two more for like, this. Like, dude, and, and it makes him more of a monster, too, because he's like, he's more concerned about the 80 bucks than he is about his missing kids. Like, it's like, gosh, really? You're, you're absolutely right. Let's keep it to one family. We mm -hmm. can create fraught brother-sister relationships that get healed over the course of their journey. As it sure. turns out, Amy and Nick get along pretty well. At the beginning of this movie, um, like maybe if they didn't like each other at the beginning of the movie, they would learn to appreciate each other as they cross the lawn. That is that is classic. That is right. classic. The, there can the still be a boy next door who yeah. didn't get shrunk and maybe being shrunk, she sees him for who he is for real now. Maybe the boy right. she likes comes over and she can see from her small vantage point what a jerk he is and really mm -hmm. appreciate the boy next door because she's seeing him when 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 she's not around. And isn't that fun? Isn't it fun to see Super like fun to see how other people behave when they think you're not around? Yeah. Um, oh, Andy, this is you're right. Your your I mean, your I, proposition is so much better. It's. I mean, it's the so title much better. Is, the, title, the title here is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, not Neighbor, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids <laughs> and, the, and the Thompson Boys Next Door. Um, too long for the marquee. Right. It is. It is. It is. Okay. Yeah. So all of that, like, you know, if there is a redeeming quality in this movie, I think mm -hmm. it is the use of dramatic irony. Great. We know we know what's happening to I mean it's almost a master class, right? We know what's happening to the kids before it happens. We know where the kids are when the, the Zelensky's and the Thompsons don't. We know the kids can see their parents when the Thompson the parents have no idea. I mean, I think it's, you know, that that last scene with Nick in the spoon going into uh Zelensky's mouth is awesome. It's awesome. Um, I, I enjoy when everybody sees what Wayne is doing in the backyard and how crazy it looks that he's like levitating himself over the side and like he twirls himself around. Um, I, and like we know why he's doing it, but we also get to experience it from the point of view of another character going, something's not right over there. That's right. another great right. use of dramatic irony. Ah, so good. So, 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 so good. Oh, and I want to I want to give a quick shout out here, Andy. 
Um, yeah. I, I found out that uh, there's one scientist at the convention, at the conference, who comes up to Wayne and says, you know, I think you're on to something with this shrinking thing. And his name is Professor Brainerd. It's the inventor of Flubber, Andy. It's, it, that's the, Yay! that's... That's why he's the one who goes. I think that's a little bit of cleverness. Maybe if the movie did a little bit more, uh, took a, took a few notes from the absent-minded professor, yeah, a little bit. I, yeah, I mean, I think why is this not at Medfield College? Come on, <laughs> it totally should be at Medfield College. <laughs> Everything should be at Medfield College. Yeah. All right, all right, Larry, pitch time. Given the all that we've talked about, and given the entire Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise, including Shrunk, which is in pre-production, mm-hmm. what do we do with this material? Wow, I mean, so so like they've inverted it where they blew, where they blew up the baby, uh, they shrunk themselves, they made the TV shows that they they've really ha- they've shrunk the audience at Disney World. They really mm-hmm. have done a lot with it. Um, so. I'm going to go with Honey I Shrunk the Neighborhood. I'm going to I'm going to expand the radius here. That a whole like neighborhood, like a whole neighbor block has been shrunk and we don't necessarily realize it until like we're looking outside at the bottle and it's mm-hmm. about a community coming together to escape the bottle. I I've always been a little fascinated by Superman and like the the little the the city of Candor in a bottle there uh, and what it would be like sure. to live to live in this totally isolated model home universe. Uh I I I think there's I think there's a there's something fun to be it's fun in Twilight Zone to be done. And I would also say this is probably a neighborhood that no one in the country has ever heard of, but by the end of it from their experience this becomes one of the most famous places in the world. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's great. Well, okay, so my first pitch, of course, is a straight-up rewrite where we eliminate the family next door. <laughs> and I'm sold on that. I mean, that's okay. right. But that's a little too easy, so strike that. Um, my pitch is a movie where the shrinking machine gets loose and develops a mind of its own with artificial intelligence. Okay. And um, I would put it in the wor- wonderful world of Mickey Mouse. I would use it as a short. And I would okay. put it uh, where Mickey and Minnie uncover it, right, and find it. And Donald... Uh, in his quest to, you know, harness this machine, ends up shrinking everyone, and then he has to figure out how to re reanimate them to their normal Ooh. size. Or does I, he? Or does actually, he? Actually, Andy, I, I can I piggyback off your pitch? Sure, of course. I think I'm going to do the opposite with it. I think I'm going to use the shrinking machine to make Donald grow to city size and make him Godzilla- in Toontown, and he has a temper tantrum that suddenly is like he's knocking over buildings. He picks up Daisy. He cr- he climbs the Empire State Building, and Mickey's the hero and has to like shoot down Donald. I don't know. I think awesome. you could do. I, I think it. you could do both of them. They're awesome. Yes, I think it could be both in the same. Awesome. All right, what movie are we tackling next week? Oh, I'm so Yay! excited, Andy. I am too. I am Next too. week, we are tackling The Great Muppet Caper. Um, it's a movie starring everybody and me. Um, it's, <laughs> are it's, you sure you're not in that movie? Because <laughs> my heart is in that movie. My soul uh, is in that movie. Yeah, it's the uh, first Muppet movie I really remember seeing because I guess when I went to the see the Muppet movie... When I was a little kid, um, I fell asleep in movie theater. 
So, um, but the movie I remember seeing first in the in the theater was The Great Muppet Caper. Great Muppet Caper. I'm so excited for it. So, so uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you like what you're hearing, fans, will you do us a favor? And will you share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please, of course, check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can tweet us at, at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6 Or you can drop us a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon. <laughs>